Welcome to The Church Door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. Welcome everybody to our last Bible class for the summer, because y'all go away to various and sundry places and that's just the way things go. If you guys ever decide you want to continue go for the summer, we can always do that. But for now, we... I'm always in the All right. So today we're looking at Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 51, or 50, whatever the end of the chapter is there. Before we begin, let's open with a word of prayer. Lord, you have caused all the Holy Scriptures to be written for our learning. May we so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by the patience and comfort offered by your Holy Word, we may embrace and ever hold fast to the blessed hope of eternal life, which is offered in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Do you guys like what I did this time with the readings on the back? Did Did you guys see that? So... So, I did the work for you. It took me a little bit of time, but not that much. So, here you can see in two columns our ESV and the Lexham English Bible. Now, remember, the Lexham English Bible is not an actual Bible translation you can go out and buy at the store or online. It's a, Bible, it's a translation that's made to be a Bible study tool to double-check, to compare with your current translation. So, I'll read it, and we'll notice the, the highlights I've already noted them there. Now, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he entered into the house of the Pharisee and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman in the town who was a sinner, when she learned that he was dining in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of perfumed oil, and standing behind him at his feet, wiping She began to wet his feet with her tears and was wiping them with the hair of her head and was kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfumed oil. Now when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, to, and he said, Teacher, say it. There were two debtors who owed a certain creditor. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were not able to repay him, he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose that it is the one to whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have judged correctly. And turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered into your house. You did not give me water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but from the time I entered, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with olive oil, but she anointed my feet with perfumed oil. 
For this reason, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. For she loved much, but the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. And those who were reclining at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Um, most of the most of the, the translation issues here are, are minor. Um, some of them are synonyms, city, town, went, entered. But I want to, sh- to show you one that you might not, that I caught, that, you, that, you, that would be harder to catch. Notice that it says, she began to wet his feet and was wiping, was kissing, was anointing. The tense of the verb denotes a continuous action. Whereas, how does ESV translate it? Wiped, Wiped, kissed, anointed. A past completed action. So if you're not catching it and you're reading ESV, you might get the mistaken idea that she did it once and then she stopped. And um, this is why we, we use Greek. Because the Greek, or multiple translations if you don't have Greek. Because it can, so you can see that. Notice, um... ESV has ointment. This is perfumed oil. They used olive oil um, and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, the other big thing I see is um, the, word, uh, the word that's used to translate uh, forgave the debts or to cancel the debt. Um, we say that too, though, right? We say debts are forgiven. Uh, you can, uh, but I just wanted to, uh, to note that... Um, Besides that, it's it's mostly the same. Any anybody anything else stand out to you in that? No. Okay. Do you like? Do you want me to do that from now on when I do these? Include the text, and it just it takes me about five minutes, um, and I have to do it for myself anyway. But I'll, I'll do that that way. You have that, and I'll highlight them there. Uh, don't forget, you can do the same thing at home. You go to Bible Gateway, grab the passage you want from any two translations you want, put them in a Word document in two columns, and start using the highlight function, and you can do it. It's not, it's not terribly difficult, and you learn a lot by doing it that way. All right. I think God the Holy Spirit wants, wants to teach us something today, because the, the main point of this lesson and the main point of the gospel reading today are the same. <laughs> so... Um, yeah. All right. So let's look at the, the first question here. What do you notice about how Luke introduces the woman who approaches Jesus as well as about uh, Simon's internal reaction towards her? And, and what details, what do these details tell us about the character and condition of this woman? So, so first we're looking at the woman. What can you tell us about the woman? How does Luke introduce her? A sinner. A sinner. Should I say a sinner? Because there are no other sinners in the yeah. world. That's doesn't describe the sin, but gets you thinking, what could that sin be? Yeah, so... Um, is she a murderer? No, no. She's... Um, More than likely a hooker. That's right. 
Yeah, that's yeah. Um, so yeah, this this is the town. This is this 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 is one of the town prostitutes, um, and th- that's why. Um, that's why th- th- this is a bit scandalous to the Pharisee. Um, we would say a woman of the street. They called her a woman of the city. Yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and what's uh. What's Simon's uh, internal reaction to her? She's not worthy to even be there. Yep. Yeah, aversion, the, I think. He's kind of doesn't like her even being there. Yep. Now, you have to understand, like, this is not like... She, they, their houses weren't all like ours where, you know, she opened the front door and wandered in. Um, you have to imagine a courtyard. Yeah. And, and so she, she can, you know, she can wander in because they're eating in a bit of a courtyard. It's a bit of an open concept, right? Um, he says here, though, which is quite interesting, that this man were a prophet. <laughs> it's almost like he's doubting. Yep, yep. We'll, we'll get to that uh, in question two. Um, yep, but that, that's correct. So what we're looking at here is his reaction to her. His reaction to her is, is she, you know, um, aversion. Why is he... Um, why is he um, why does he have this reaction to her because he thinks he's better than her yeah Yeah, as as a Pharisee their whole goal is to keep the law and when they see one that's openly defying the law that kind of sets them up that's right. Um, that's exactly right. And and um, <laughs> a question I have is, how does he know that she's the town hooker? <laughs> um, and don't forget that they're also attempting to. Um, they're also attempting to. Um, keep uh, keep the law by adding things to it. So um, she, he, the Pharisees would would even shun the touch of a sinful woman in order to potentially avoid defilement. So, right? Uh, does the law say that the uh, the town prostitute can't shake your hand. No, you're not. It's not sinful to shake someone's hand, but the Pharisee would think it is. You, she, you can't touch her because she might defile you. Do you think it was a setup that she was a plant that they arranged that she just dropped in? Like, how come he didn't kick her out when she walked in the door? Hey, get out of my house! No, 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 come on in. No, I, I think I think it's I think it's a different culture in that it's it's not he's not in her. There's a, there's an open concept and and. I know, but it's still his. I think she followed Jesus in. Anyways, I like the idea. Yeah, it implies that she's planted and it's a test. Right? Why did the Pharisee invite Jesus to the house? That's got to be the first question. Right, yeah, we're going to get that in, I think we can cover that in question two. Um, All right, so, so what do you know about the character and condition of this woman then? 
some kind of a spark of faith. Sure. Yep. She she knew who she was. She knew everybody else knew. Who That's she right. Was. Yep. But yep. She still put herself in that position. And, and she's obviously a, a, she's obviously a sinner, and, and um, she's recognize the weight of that burden, right? Okay, now let's now let's move on to Simon. What do we learn about Simon in this story? What conclusion does Simon draw about Jesus' identity and claims? Why is telling a parable an apt and powerful way to rebuke Simon after his response to the woman who has just washed Jesus' feet and such? So, um, what do we learn about Simon from this? Right off the bat, he's trying to discredit yeah, that's if he were a prophet, he would know. Right. So it's, I don't think it's necessarily a discredit, but you're on the right path. So, so He refers to him as a teacher. Right. He acknowledges the teacher part, but questions the prophet. So what does that tell you about why he's invited Jesus here? Don't forget, this, this is early days. Once upon a he's really the son of God. Well, if he's... Or, or is not... Checking him out. He's checking him out. He wants to find out what, what, if the stories that he's hearing about this guy are true. He wants to examine it for himself, right? He invites, so what do you do? You invite him for a dinner. You let him speak. But what doesn't he do? Treat him like a guest. He doesn't treat him like a guest. He doesn't extend him the, the common courtesies of the day. So he snubs him a little bit. So he does think he's better than him. Right? But at the same time, he's willing to give this guy, uh, all right, all right, I'll give you a shot, right? He, he's, he's willing to let this guy, uh, let, let this Messiah guy have a, have a go. Give him a little rope to Exact, Exactly. That, that is exactly the kind of attitude that this, this Pharisee has. Now, he also just, he says it to himself, he doesn't say it Wow. I know. Reads his mind. I know what you're talking about. That's, right. that, that's the classic in all of this. This guy's thinking, oh, he doesn't, I don't think this guy's a prophet. Well, actually, Simon. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, 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 God alone should have started Yeah, so I, I love how the text says it. Jesus answered. Wait, wait, wait. He said it to himself in his mind, mm-hmm. and Jesus answered that. It's, it's, um, it's, it's a neat little thing there. Um, all right, so to dot the I here, what does Simon draw about Jesus' identity and claims from this reaction? We've said it, but let's 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 highlight it. Well, he doesn't think Jesus is the Messiah. He doesn't think he's a prophet, right? Because what does he assume? He assumes that if Jesus was a prophet, he would know who this woman is, and then he would not let her touch him. He would act the way, right? He would act the way I expect him to act, right? You see that? He's, he's holding Jesus according to his own standards, not letting him, right? They've got, they've got this conception of what they want the Messiah to be and they, the, the stencil that they expect Jesus to fit. Um... So then, why is telling a parable a good way to respond to Simon? Why do you think? Well, first of all, it's not a direct admonition to Simon. That's right. 
it lets Simon think about it and admonish himself. It lets Simon hang himself with his own rope. <laughs> right? Um, there's another famous example in the Bible of, 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 of somebody using a, a story, a parable, to rebuke somebody. Can you think of it? In, yeah. You are the man. Remember? King David? Saint, I, I, was, I was reminded of King David. Remember King David sleeps with Bathsheba oh, yeah. and commits murder. And, and, um, and is it Nathan? I think it's Nathan the prophet goes and tells him a story and he pulls on David's heartstrings about, about this lamb that is stolen and then the... Wow. Right? And David says, that man will die. And then he goes, you are the man. Right? It's, there's a little bit of, you know, so, so this idea of using a, a parable to get the, the story across without directly coming out and just rebuking the guy um, is used throughout Scripture. All right. The parable itself. Question three. What caused the man who was forgiven the 500 denarii to love more than his fellow debtor? By the way, what's a denarii? Form of currency. How much is it worth? It's a silver coin. Isn't it? A silver coin, right? So it's probably worth something like 10, 20 bucks. It's worth a day's wages. All right, so now do the math. So um, a denarii is, is t- a uh, the day's a wages a for a laborer. A tip for a year and a half. Yeah. Um, just, uh, so one denarii is, is, a, is, a, is a typical, is what you would give to the, to the, to the blue-collar folk when they're done their job for the day. All right? So um, 500 denarii, 500 days' wages. Year and a half. Year and a half. It's a good chunk of change, right? It's maybe, what, $70,000, $80,000, $90,000? Depends on how much you make, right? What's the average average person in Canada makes about $60,000 a year-ish? So it's, a, it's about before nine Before taxes. Before taxes, right? <laughs> so, all right, so, so. After uh, that, it's about $40,000 a year for those that don't. Yeah, so what's... Um, What's why, what causes the man to love the the to love more than his creditor? I'm going to take a stab at this. Okay. I think, considering their culture, if a guy couldn't pay a debt that was worth 500 days' wages, he could find himself in servitude for 500 days to pay that debt off. <laughs> He'd find himself in a world of hurt. That's Right? There's debtors, prison, slavery. There's all sorts of nasty uh, things. So what exactly, why does he... He had more to lose. He had more to lose, right? Okay. He had more to lose, and he, his debt was, was bigger. And, and so... Um, and, and, and yeah, so, so that's, that's important to see. Um, now... Simon uh, showed that he loved Jesus little by the way he treated Jesus. So according to uh, verses 41 and 42, why did Simon love little? 
That's right. Yeah, and he figured he didn't sin much at all. That's right. He doesn't. He he does not see the magnitude of his own sin. Right. He doesn't. He doesn't see. He's like the debtor with only five hundred bucks. He thinks, oh yeah, I've, I maybe have done a few things, but I'll go to the temple and offer a lamb, and I'll be good. Um, I'll fast for twenty days and, and tithe and, and make up for that. Right. Uh, obviously, the Pharisees. Um, the, the, the way that, if I understand it correctly, the way the Jewish system worked, it wasn't completely legalistic because they had a sacrificial system, right? So they understood they sinned, but the emphasis is on what, the, what they did, right? Um, okay. And, and I just wanted you to see that this applies to Simon. Now, moving on to question five, what motivation... Does Jesus identify behind the woman's passionate and self and sacrificial act of worship toward him? What's what's motivating this woman to, according to Jesus? Sorrow for her sins. Sorrow for her sins. Yeah. And faith. And faith. Absolutely. Um. All right. So now, we we come to the big question. We're going to stick on this question for a little bit. Upon what basis is this woman forgiven and saved? Her faith. Her faith? Demonstrated by her works. Her faith? Anybody going to say love? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is she forgiven because she loved? No. As a result of... No, she loves because of her faith. Do you see that? Does anybody disagree with that? Okay. We're going to pause here. And we are going to listen to good old Philip Melanchthon for a second. Who was Philip Melanchthon? Contemporary of Luther's. Yeah, he was Luther's right-hand man. Luther was the preacher. Melanchthon was the... Theologian. Theologian, let's put it in logical order kind of guy. Uh, he... Um, the more... Uh, this, is, this book here is the Book of Concord, our Lutheran Confessions. This copy... I bought at the seminary my first year. The tag inside says S. Deal, 27 Charles Street, Stratford, Ontario. Stan Deal, the guy we're praying for upstairs. Small world. I also have, I also have a Bible uh, I, that I got in seminary, and it says Tim Teuscher. <laughs> so anyway, um, so once again, Melanchthon is... Um, uh, uh, he wrote more of our Lutheran confessions than, than Luther did. Luther wrote the large small catechism. Melanchthon wrote the Augsburg Confession, the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, and the Treatise on the Power and Primacy of the Pope. So, so he's... I wonder how Luther had all this time to write all this stuff. Luther didn't write it, most of it. <laughs> no, I know. How about the hymns? <laughs> oh, the hymns are all over the place. Okay, so this is a section from the Apology to the Augsburg Confession. This is... A gigantic article. We're not reading all of it. It would take us way too long. But there is a section called On Love and Keeping the Law. And I want... Okay. Melanchthon begins in paragraph 152 for those playing the home game. There is a familiar figure of speech called synecdoche, by which we sometimes combine cause and effect in the same phrase. Christ says 
in Luke 7, 47, her sins, which are many, are forgiven because she loved much. But he interprets his own words when he adds, your faith has saved you. Now, Christ did not want to say that by her works of love, the woman had merited forgiveness of sins. Therefore, he clearly says, your faith has saved you. But faith is that which grasps the fr- God's free mercy because of God's word. If anybody denies that this is faith, he utterly misunderstands the nature of faith. And the account here shows what he calls love. The woman came, believing that she should seek the forgiveness of sins from Christ. This is the highest way of worshiping Christ. Nothing greater could she ascribe to him. By looking for the forgiveness of sins from him, she truly acknowledged him as the Messiah. Truly to believe means to think of Christ in this way. And in this way, to worship and take hold of him. Moreover, Christ used the word love, not toward the woman, but against the Pharisee, because Christ contrasted the whole act of reverence of the Pharisee with that of the woman. He chides the Pharisee for not acknowledging him as the Messiah, and though he did not show him the outward courtesies due a guest and a great and holy man. He points to the woman and praises her reverence, her anointing and crying, all of which were a sign and confession of faith that she was looking for the forgiveness of sins from Christ. It was not without reason that this truly powerful example moved Christ to chide the Pharisee, this wise and honest but unbelieving man. He chides him with irreverence, and reproves him with the example of the woman. What a disgrace that an uneducated woman should believe God, while a doctor of the law does not believe or accept the Messiah or seek from him forgiveness of sins and salvation. In this way, therefore, he praises her entire act of worship, as the scriptures often do when they include many things in one phrase. Later, he, we shall look up a similar phrase like Luke eleven forty one: give alms and behold, everything is clean. He demands not only alms, but the righteousness of faith. In the same way, he says here, her sins, which are many, are forgiven because she loved much. That is, because she truly worshiped me with faith and with the acts and signs of faith. He includes her whole act of worship, but meanwhile, he teaches that it is faith that properly accepts the forgiveness of sins, though love, confession, and other good works ought to follow. He does not mean that these fruits are the price or propitiation which earns the forgiveness of sins that reconciles with God. Thus far, Philip. What do you think of that? Thoughts, comments? So it's not her actions that save her. Right. It's the fact that she went, as Philip says, it's the fact that she went to Christ expecting to find what? The forgiveness of sins. That's why she went there, right? And what he's saying is all of her outward expressions of worship towards Jesus, her love, were the sign that she was seeking from Christ the forgiveness of sins. 
Which only God can do. Which only God can do, right? That's right. Um, First word, love planted. What she did, or I looked at it, and I thought it love meant that she, she loved the fact that she has so many sins forgiven. That's, that's correct, yep. And, and the other guy will love little because he only had a few sins to have forgiven. Right. Now, the background here, the background here is, um, why, why does Philip mention this? It's because um, the Roman Catholic Church teaches that we are not saved by faith alone, but by faith formed by love. Right? What, the, what that means is they, 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 they will cite this passage and they will flip it on its head. At least they used to it in the medieval times. Uh, right? Who knows what they do now? Um, um, but they would say, see, it's her love. It's her love that she's forgiven. No, I, I'm thinking it's going to be agape. It's usually agape. Agape, which just means... Um, yeah, it's all-compassing. I mean, it, uh, it, it can mean um, to, to cherish, to... Um, yeah. Hold dear, that kind of thing. Um, so, hopefully that, that, that little reading from Philip was, was understandable enough. But you can see... Um, I just thought it would it was it would it was nice that that passage was actually talked about in, in here, and he spends a little bit of time talking about it. So the basis upon which this woman is forgiven and saved is the fact that, as Philip says, she grasped Christ by faith. She looked to him for the forgiveness of sins, and everything else flows out of that. Right? You how do you um. Uh, so when um, you you can only love somebody uh, or love God in this case, right? If you know something about God, right? If you know that God is merciful and gracious towards you, that God's not gonna hit the smite button and crisp you, right? That God's not angry with you, right? When you know that God is not angry with you, but he loves you and wants to forgive you, then that will make you love him. Why would you love a God? Philip says this elsewhere. Why would you love a God who's angry with you and wrathful with you and just wants to hit the smite button? So... There's no, right? And so your, our, our faith must come first and then the love that follows, right? You have to trust and know that God is gracious towards you before that can motivate you to show him the love, right? The love has to be there, right? If you, as it, it, it's not there for the Pharisee, right? Um, so, and we'll, 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 we'll talk a little bit about that in the sermon. The love needs to be there, um, but it's not the basis upon which you're forgiven. It's the result. 
Okay. That's why the commandments are numbered the way they are. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. So, what does this story also tell us about the identity of Jesus? He knows our thoughts. So what, so what does he have to be to know our thoughts? God, God right? What else? The, uh, and well, he, was, he was invited because he was known. And right. checking him out. So, hey, this guy's doing a lot of thought, but mm. Joe, go check him out. Right. Um, yeah. And, and, and so, so what else does this, does, does this tell us about who Jesus is. He's the Messiah. He's the Messiah. That's right. He, he's the one who... And, and the, right? This is... Uh, once again, in, this, in these chapters, you see what Luke did. We've seen what Luke did. Remember Luke in chapter 4 did that opening... He did that, that, that opening sermon. Right? And now throughout Jesus' ministry in Luke, you see Jesus ticking off all those boxes. Uh, right? Um, now, does Jesus? She's she's a she. Jesus is a, is a prostitute. The, the the woman is a prostitute. Does Jesus just accept her the way she is? No. No. What does what does he tell her? What does he tell her? Your sins are forgiven. Yeah, but I mean, at the beginning, he didn't treat her indifferently. Right, but 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 I, but I, what I want to see is. He, what I want you to see is he does not say, ah, it doesn't matter. Right? She has sins. He says, which were many. And they needed to be forgiven. And they needed to be forgiven. But her walking or her forsaking her former life wasn't a prerequisite for the forgiveness. She mm-hmm. was forgiven. Right. And if, if she was able to walk away from that, and we don't know then that would have been a fruit of the forgiveness sure. rather than the other way around. Right. That's right. Um, but there has to be at least the desire to, okay. and, and the um, repentance, the sorrow for sin. It must, you know. So the point I'm making, though, is you'll often have discussions with people, and they will, people will, will, will say, well, Jesus accepted everybody. He, he ate with tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes and all sorts of things. And so that means we need to treat X, Y, or Z people and just affirm them in, in, in their sin. Jesus does not do that. He the calls them. Yeah, on the other hand, there's also a group of people who believe once saved, always saved. Right. And they believe they can no longer sin because right. of their faith. Right, yeah. So there's, there, there, there's ditches on the other side. Now, what is... The, so it, this says two things to us. It says first... That um, people need all people need to repent <laughs> and, and and seek forgiveness from Jesus, right? To seek forgiveness from Jesus means you have to actually acknowledge that you have sins to forgive, and that's a big point of this thing, right? But on the other hand, it means that a person's former sins don't matter a hill of beans, right? Um. If we uh, um, were a confessional Bible-believing church, we believe homosexuality is a sin. Right? The Bible says it clearly. It's an uncomfortable truth in our day and age. But does that mean we don't let homosexuals come to our church? 
No. Like this woman, any who repent of sins and, come to, and, and, and are seeking forgiveness from Jesus are welcome here. Right? And that's uncomfortable for us sometimes. But this is a place, this is, this, Jesus welcomes all sinners to come to him and repent. And as Murray says, there might be some, that might take some time to, to work some of this stuff out. Right? But if somebody's got 500 nari of worth of sin and you've only got 50, well, then praise God that Jesus forgives all sorts of sin. So I, that, there's a little bit of application of that. Yes, right. Yeah. It, Jesus interprets the spirit of the law. Right. Says, if you look at a woman, right. That's right. That's right. If you hate your brother, you that. That's absolutely right. And, and um, as, as Philip says, and I, and I paraphrase him in my sermon this morning, um, because of our weakness, there's always a sin that we can be charged with. <laughs> right? Um, just look hard enough and God will find a sin. Right? Church is for sinners. Church is for sinners. That's exactly right. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. Yeah, th- there's a root problem. That's right. All right, next question. How much time do we got? 41. Perfect. Perfect, perfect. Let's finish this up a little bit. Let's look at 1 John 1, 9. It says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, notice 1 John 1, 9 and that beautiful promise that those who confess their sins and turn to Jesus in faith. How does Jesus apply that truth to the woman? And what makes him ultimately able to back up that promise and secure her salvation? So how does Jesus apply that to to the woman? Yeah, she came to him seeking forgiveness. She confessed her sins. He absolved her. Uh, and he absolved her. Right? Um, and, and what does he do to secure that, th- that salvation for her? Eventually dies on the cross. He dies on the cross, right? He pays the price. Um, yeah. Okay. And, and in question eight, in what ways does this story reverse the normal expectations of what would happen when God's kingdom is brought in. We kind of covered a little, little bit, but just want to, I want you to see that this, this, this reverses what people expected in, their, in that day. The Jews were expecting a conquering king, not yep. a forgiving one. Yeah, they're expecting uh, uh, one to come in and, and to, to, to pat the Pharisees on the back and say, good job, you guys did great. This is kick out the Romans. And kick out the Romans. Yeah, they basically wanted a pharisaical yeah, and instead they come and all of the people who they were trying, they thought were the problem, they're the ones who Jesus comes for. And that's the same uh, today. Jesus comes for sinners. And that should break people's expectations because the, the, the idea still is out there that Christianity is about keeping the rules and about, oh, you Christians, you're all a bunch of legalists because, and hypocrites because you've 
you, 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 you have all these rules and morals and ethics that you expect everybody to follow and then you don't do it yourself. And so you get this impression and, that out in the world that this is what Christianity teaches. Be a good boy and girl and you'll go to heaven when you die. Um, instead of saying, no, no, no. Christianity is the, is the hospital for hypocrites. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the place where we all go because we all realize we're hypocrites. And we all... <laughs> right? Weekly treatment. Re- our weekly treatment. That's right. What's the main point of the passage? What verse would you highlight to as the chief point? It's the very last said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Yep. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. Your sins are forgiven. Yep. I like Sam, Simon's answer. The one I suppose for whom can't lose cancer, the Lord ain't dead. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, that's right. The chief of sinners. Yep, that's right. All right, let's pray and head up to worship. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that through Jesus Christ, your Son, you have forgiven our debts and our sins, and you've canceled them. Help us, Lord, to have a greater recognition of, of our own uh, sinfulness. Help us to, uh, to see more where we have failed so that we can um, hear those life-giving, promising words of forgiveness and respond in, in grateful love. Uh, we ask that uh, this same thing would be happened to all your Christians in this church and throughout the world. We ask this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to The Church Door. Thanks again for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me, Pastor Matthew Fenn, at RevFenn, R-E-V-F-E-N-N, at iCloud.com. Look forward to having you with us again next time.